we are still in, if you're listening, uh, listening on, the, uh, on the podcast, you can hear this on Spotify. We're putting this on Spotify, so you can go to Spotify and you can hear the entire thing. So if you all are listening on Spotify, we are doing a book study on the strategy of Satan, how to detect and defeat him by Warren Wiersbe. We're in the first chapter. We started, the, for, uh, we started it last week. We didn't finish it, but we will finish it up today. Now, I want to just review quickly. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time in it, but we're studying the deceiver. And there's four main points that Wearsby makes that we're going to look at. And we started looking at it last week. We'll continue looking at it this week. He, uh, he talked about Satan's target, what Satan targets in your mind. There you go. Carolyn, you got it. He targets your mind. He targets your mind. Now, let me make a suggestion. Um, if you go all the way back, and if you look in, and let's just look at a passage here. Here I am. I'm starting to do more teaching in the first part of the chapter. But I, I've had, it's a thought, and uh, I'm not saying that I'm completely committed to this concept yet. But look in 2 Corinthians. Um <clears throat> of uh, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And I want you to notice, uh, Paul is talking here, and um, they're rejecting his ministry. Now, I want you to notice what he says here, starting in verse 1. I wish that you would bear with me, and this all goes under the heading that Satan targets your mind. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed, you are bearing with me in a little, you know, kind of sarcasm there. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. Jealousy can be good. He says there's such things as a godly jealousy. I think you can be godly jealous for your wife, wanting to protect her, mm-hmm. watch over her and all that, or your, 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 your husband. A godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. Notice what he says. I betrothed you to one husband. And he's going back to the whole thing is that, you know, there should be a, 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 a marital jealousy in that I am, I don't want to, sh- for instance, I, I don't want to share Cynthia with other men. She don't want to share me with, we are jealous. That, there's nothing wrong with that. That's God's plan. That's a godly jealousy. He says, for I betrothed you to one husband. Notice it didn't say what a lot of people are saying today polyamory. Uh, do you know what polyamory is? Well, poly, or being poly, polyamorous? More than one. Okay, if someone says they're polyamorous, that means they have the capability of loving. They're saying, well, I'm not. I'm not ruling out loving anybody else just because I love this woman or this man. I listened to a comedian. It was very funny. This comedian says, oh, before I start my show, I just want to let you all know I'm polyamorous. I love both dogs and cats. <laughs> I thought that was cute. That's cute. That's cute. That's cute. But, and that's okay with dogs. Well, I'm not polyamorous. I just we love know dogs. That. Yes. But anyway, now notice what he says in verse 3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve... By his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now, I want to stop right here. I started evaluating that. 
Does that mean that Satan can plant thoughts in our minds? That's a good response to that, Roxanne. Well, that's a good response. Mm -hmm. Well, our flesh can. Right. How does the flesh plant a thought in your mind? I would think the mind is carried out with the flesh. See, what we think about is carry out in the flesh. I think what the flesh has done, and this is Tony Evans, he, he, he talks about this. This is even the pre teaching is good in this. It is. But what Tony Evans, this is why when we teach at the Promise Fellowship, it's going to be teaching like this. And so, you know, people can interact and dialogue and stuff. Um, so, Tony Evans says that we've got a soul that's been sin scarred in our upbringing. And your soul involves your intellect, your emotions, and your will. So let's just say that, um, you know, you're brought up, and let's put it this way. I'll give you a kind of a, an obvious example, you know, but I think it proves the point. Let's say you grew up in a family in which they constantly said, white-skinned, blue-eyed people are devils. We hate white skin, blue eyed, and at one point, blonde haired individuals. That's what you grew up in. Your, your, your intellect, emotions, and will are being programmed to hate that. Yes. And so that is, that's what your flesh is made up of. So I don't think that your flesh necessarily can speak to your mind. Okay, but I think you have ingrained thinking processes. Okay. Now, I, I'm still working through this. In fact, I'm in, I'm in my in my uh, just blog that I'm doing where I teach for 15 minutes, and it's a blog, and you can download that and all that sort of stuff. Listen to it. I'm wondering if Satan speaks to your mind through words. What? I'm speaking to your mind right now. Am I doing this like a Vulcan mind meld? <laughs> no. You're actually hearing something. It's going into your mind, my words. And let me go back. When Satan tempted Eve, was it some mystical, magical mind meld? Or was it what? Just everyday talking. Mm -hmm. He spoke. He spoke. So I'm, I think what this verse is saying is that Satan targets your mind through the words of other people. Amen. That's very good. For instance, how many, think about this, how many of you all have been in a good mood and then you walk in and say, oh, this day sucks. Oh, this is so terrible. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Look what's going on in the government. Look what's going on in the church. Exactly. Look what's going on. And, my, and pretty soon, you are in a depressed, foul mood. Now, it's not like Satan kind of came up to you and, like, you know, people say he whispers. In. No, I think he uses yes. the words. Yes the verbal proclamations of other people to move you and deceive you. That's why 
in Scripture, there are so many warnings against a divisive or factious individual. It's not like Satan is kind of whispering to people, but someone's flesh is, they're spewing out what their flesh is saying, and that is infecting the minds of other people. Scripture says, uh, reject a factious man after the first or second warning. In other words, the first time someone seeks to be divisive or, 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 or factious, you warn them, stop it. Stop doing that. The second time, you say, I gave you a warning, you're out of here. That's what Carol will do. So that's what I'm saying is, is I'm wondering if Satan needs, can I put it this way, a voice to ruin Christians' minds. He uses, I believe, the words of other people. Now, really quickly, let me give you an analogy. How many believe, okay, I won't ask for a show of hands here. How many of you all were tempted to believe Fauci? In the beginning? In the beginning, a lot of people were. He knows everything and all that. Watch that, and you're saying no because you're smarter than the average pair. You know? <laughs> and since he has a jealous, godly, godly jealousy for you, yeah, but a lot of people would sit there and go, well, he's Dr. Fauci. And he didn't know anything. But we know now that he lied. Yes. He deceived. That masks don't protect. Jabs don't protect. It's not a it's not, it's a, not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine, exactly. It's not a vaccine. Like if you get the flu shot, it's, it's a vaccine. Yeah. It's not but a vaccine. even when he was challenged, people still They still believe it. Because it's kind of like and but isn't it? There's people that you might, when people say something, whether it be in a church, whether it be in an office, whether it be in a in a country club, when they say, say if they're the chairman of the board, and they start saying something in a business, or, oh, well, they're saying it, it must be true. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Satan uses the, he needs a voice. In fact, I'm going to write an article, Satan needs a voice. And that's how he deceives our brains. Through the words that people through their flesh are vocalizing. I, I'm that not, makes sense. That totally makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense. And I've got to do some further study. Maybe there's some place where Satan is. But remember, when he tempted Jesus, he used what? He he just went straight to him and he spoke to him. Yeah. I go ahead. And he used scripture, but he twisted. Great observation, yeah. brother. Great observation. So I'm wondering. That's why you always have to be on guard, yes. especially when it comes to spiritual matters. You got to discern. You got to have discernment. Yes. Discernment. Okay. And and alertness. Be alert. Be alert. That is totally a command. Now, turn with me real quick. Again, this is not in the book, so I'm sorry, you people that are looking for this in the book, but turn with me to Ephesians. 
And remember, it's easy to find Ephesians. Gentiles eat pork chops. So G-E-P-C. So we want to go to the eat section of Gentiles eat pork chops, which would be right before the pork, which would be Philippians. And I want you to notice what he says. Uh, look in, um, let's see. Um, okay. Look in um, chapter 6, uh, verse 10. I'm not going to read it all. Check. Ephesians 6, 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and strength of mine. Put on the full armor of God. And he talks about garment, garment. Drop on down verse six, uh, 15. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then he makes a very interesting statement. In addition to all, all this, he almost says, okay, there's one more thing I've got to tell you. In addition to all of this, he says, taking up the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. I'm wondering, and I'll tell you why in just a moment, if the flaming arrows are those words yes. that others speak that go here. Why? Because look at verse 17. And take up the helmet of salvation. What is a helmet for? Whether it be football, warfare, or anything. It protects what? Your brain. Your brain, your head, your mind. What do you think? What do you think? Where do you think? And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is? So you need a helmet to protect you from those flaming darts, a shield and a helmet. You need that. But then you also need the word of God, which you can parry off those darts, those arrows, those things that come in. Someone comes up and you say, well, you've got to do this, this, and this to be saved. You don't say, no, you don't say, it's not what it says in the Bible. Let me show you what the sword of the Spirit says. Sword of the Spirit, John 3, 16, for God so loved the Lord, gave his own his God. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So I'm wondering, if the way Satan corrupts us is through the words of corrupted Christians. Think of what oh. they're doing in, in the world now. They're changing the meaning of words. Sure they are. And I just heard them say in one of the books, How to Ruin a Country, yeah. one of the things is changing words. They and, don't mean what you think they mean. And you know, who was it Churchill said? You know, Churchill made a great statement. He said, you know, a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth ever gets out of the bed and puts on its shoes. That's true. Well, you know that. Yeah. Right, right. And so, yeah, so halfway around the world before the, and Churchill had so many great things. All right, so uh, again, that was kind of review and then a little additional type stuff. Satan's target is your mind. And he uses, I believe, the corrupted words of corrupt Christians or non-Christians for that matter for that. Satan's weapons are lies. He speaks lies to you. Look at, and this is one of the verses that he accounts. Look in John the 8th chapter. It's a key. Remember, every, you know, you know, well, I won't get, that'll take me way too far. I won't get that, but look at John the 8th chapter. And uh, let's see, let me give you the right verse here. 
let's see. Um, uh, let's let's um, let's start in verse forty-four, eight forty-four. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He says, "You are of your father, the devil." Now those are fighting words. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the. Now, what are, pick up the sword of the spirit. Sanctify them with truth. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. Because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks. Now, I'm going to stop in just a minute. I'm going to give you a little Greek here, and also English for that matter, because it bears true in the English language. There's what is known as articular and anarthrous nouns. Articular and anarthrous nouns. An anarthrous noun could mean anything. Uh, hand me a shovel. Mm -hmm. What kind of shovel? Can mean, mean a lot of things. Or if you say, hand me the shovel, you're talking about a particular shovel. If it's A, it can talk about, it can be any shovel. Mm -hmm. The and anarthrous means without the article. Articular means with the article. Okay. The Greek language has it too. And the articles are A, N, and the. Okay, those are articles, English major. So you could say, hand me the red shovel. You could say that or hand me the shovel that you, you, you have to, in other words, it's a particular shovel if you add the. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the shovel, mm -hmm. not this shovel, this shovel, this shovel, this shovel. Mm -hmm. So sometimes nouns have articles in the Greek language, A, N, and D, and sometimes they don't. Now this is translated, he is the father of, what does it say there? Okay, it, it, read on. But he speaks, whenever he speaks, he speaks a a lot. That's an arthritis. But it's articular in the Greek. You should cross out A and write T-H-E there. He speaks the lie. The lie. And that's what he spoke to Adam and Eve. In fact, I've got another paper. This is another neat thing that I've been able to start working more on is papers in different blogs. I've got another, I've got another blog that I want to do called The Nullification of God. Mm. Satan was trying to nullify God in heaven. He came down to earth and he was trying to nullify God on earth through tempting Adam and Eve. But you can't do that. And we see the same. So he says... He says, um, he speaks the lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is the liar and the father of lies. So anything Satan speaks to you, anytime you hear it, you've got to be on the alert, you've got to be discerning, and you've got to listen to what Christians are saying. If they start saying, well, you've got to repent and believe. Really? Don't think so. Let's go to the Word of God. Go to the Word of God. Okay, so now we got through that section last week. And uh, I think, didn't we? I'm, I'm trying to think how far we got. Page 15. You left off, start there, 1.4, your defense. Um, no, no I, I don't think we got that far. I think we were at 13. Uh, 13, yeah, I think you're right. That's what I was saying. So, and we were talking about, he was talking about a lot of counterfeits. Look on page 10 and 11, and I'll get to 13 because you're right there. Is we see that 
you know, she, uh, you know, first of all, we see that Satan gets them to doubt God's word. Page 10, she took away from God's word. God said freely, anything you want. She added to God's word. We're not even supposed to touch it. God didn't say that. And uh, she changed God, and she changed God's word, uh, lest you die. For in the day you eat, you shall surely die. The penalty for disobedience was death, all right? Lest you die, to surely you die. So I want you to notice, and then he quotes, um, uh, it's interesting if you look on the next page, page 11, for such men are false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. This is in the middle of page 11. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. By the way, what does Lucifer mean? It's one of his names. Light. Light. Mm -hmm. Luce is light in Spanish. Like luminous. All comes from light. So Satan, and I believe that when Satan showed up to Eve, he was this resplendent, glorious being. And so he was also very persuasive, very crafty, very deceitful, but lie. All right? Now, he talks about a lot of different counterfeits, and I won't go into those. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I completely agree with him. I guess there are counterfeit Christians Counterfeit righteous, you know. I, I I don't want to go through that. I mean, remember, I think you can be a Christian and do any sin that's in the Bible, and you can do it more than once, and you still be a Christian. But you have, as Pat said, a loss of rewards. Now look at the um, um, look at uh, one point three, which is on page thirteen. This is all new stuff we're getting into. Okay, so Satan's target is your mind. His way he does it is, his strategy is to implant lies in your mind. And I believe he uses other people to do that. Satan's purpose is to make you ignorant of God's will. Satan wants you fat, dumb, and happy. Fat, dumb, and happy. Now, if you want to get a group of Christians fat, dumb, and happy, Teach them prosperity theology. Mm -hmm. Teach them what you find in the average megachurch. Mm -hmm. You know, that's all, all about... Teach them what Joel Osteen. Or Joel Osteen. Make them fat, dumb, and happy. Largest church in America. I, oh, close to 50,000 people. So there's 50,000 people that are fat, dumb, and happy. All right? Think about that. Notice what he says in Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a what? Now let me ask, when you have a lamp, why do you have a lamp? See. see. And why does it make you see? Because it sheds it's light. light. Yeah. It's a light. It's a lighthouse. <laughs> and since you can't carry a lighthouse in your pocket, which would be so good, you carry a flashlight or a lamp. All right? And so notice what he says. Your word is a lamp to my what? And a light to my path. There's two things you need if you're 
not that I advocate camping. I'm not a camper. <laughs> the, why would you camp when there are these things called hotels, resorts? Why would you camp when there's hotels and resorts? But let's suppose that you have a temporary lapse of sanity and you find yourself with people and you're camping and they told you, remember what I said, deception, told you that camping was fun. <laughs> and you didn't know that there were no bathrooms anywhere out here. And so in the middle of the night, you realize nature's calling and you go, well, it's dark outside. And so you stumble because you, someone says, well, there's a path. If you come out of your tent, you know, go out, you know, you know, 10 yards and there's a path to the bathroom. But you don't have a flashlight. So you can't see the path, much less where to put your feet to keep it on the path. That's what he's saying here. God's word is a, is a lamp to our feet Shows us our feet because when you're walking in the dark, when you're walking and you've got a lamp, what direction are you looking? Straight forward. I'm not looking straight ahead. No, I'm, not, I'm looking where I'm walking. I'm not looking. No, in, in the dark when you can't see anything in front of you? No, no, you have to put it on your feet. You have to watch, and you might go back and, but you're looking at your feet yes. and the path so you don't stumble on a rock. Or if this happens. Or that happens. There you go. And then he says, I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Now, I believe it's important to not only read the word, not only to study the word, but to memorize the word. And then once it's memorized, to meditate on it. One of my practices has been for years and years, if for some reason I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about something, I'll immediately start going through verses I've memorized. You say, well, I haven't memorized that many. That's okay. If you've memorized one, just start thinking about it for God. Now, God, what God? God. You think about what the God of the Bible's like. That's meditation. So love. Oh, he loved. Well, how does God love? That's meditation. And I'll think about it. For, even if you only got one verse memorized, Think, meditate on that. Just continually go back and say those words in your mind for God so loved the world that he gave. Wow, he's a giver. So that means God's a giver. Wow. And then all of a sudden you may think about James 1, for he is the giver of all good gifts. And you start thinking, pretty soon Satan's going to put you to sleep. Mm -hmm. Satan may have woke you up. You start meditating on verses. Satan will put you back to sleep. So let's read on. Notice what he says in Psalm 133, I mean Psalm 33, 1, at the bottom of the page. Uh, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. Nothing else does. God's counsel, God's word stands forever. Where are you? Bottom of 13. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. That means that God has plans for everyone that's ever lived. It's generational. Now, does that mean that all the details work out the same for you as they do for no? 
but no, there's an overriding plan. We grow in Christ. We do the, we, you know, if you look through the Bible, there's a lot of things that, it, you know, I think it was Mark Twain that made the statement. He says, I don't worry so much about those parts of the Bible that I don't understand. What worries me the most is those I do understand. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean, people say, well, I just don't know what God's will is. Well, have you been reading your Bible? No. So there's your answer. Well, yeah, I just started. Well, then keep reading. You will understand it. Because what God's will, remember, I've always said this, the, the three Ps of the Bible. You'll find in the Bible either a precept. Give me an example of a precept. That's a command. Can you give me one? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, your neighbors, yourself. Precept. Okay. Okay, so you're trying to figure out God's will? Love him. Thou shalt not steal. Another command. Walk in the spirit. Command. All these are to, so you'll find a precept. Secondly, if you don't find precepts, you may find a promise. Because a precept and a promise are different. A precept is what you're supposed to do. A promise is what God said he would do. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a great promise. But the problem with promises is context is everything. So many Christians, and I, in fact, I'll do another blog on this. I've already got these blogs. It's so fun because I sit down at my desk and I do the blogs and they're going to be up on Spotify and hopefully people will start listening yeah. all over the world to them. They will. I love it when you use the Mary promise. <laughs> don't, don't, don't steal my thunder. Sorry to it. Okay. But anyway, so, you know, a lot of, or the one that everybody, I'll use the one and you all know it. You've heard me teach it so many times. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, oh yes, the if if my people, the people promise it ain't it ain't the people. It's a very specific people. It's the nation of Israel. If my people, who's that? The nation of Israel. Second Chronicles seven fourteen shall humble themselves, seek my face, and and, and you know, and, and I will heal their land. So that means we can pray that God would heal America. No, that's not a promise to us in America. It's a promise to the nation of Israel. So you've got to be careful to whom the promise is dictated to. I'll, and people say, no, the Bible is a promise book full of promises. You're, you're, you're negating the promises of God. No, I'm not. Some promises aren't for you. That one's not for you. And guess what? Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Is that a promise? Uh, it is a promise okay so it's a promise let's start evaluating that now so is that a promise that any biological male could claim okay so it's not a promise to any dudes but is it a potential promise that a biological female could claim it is because females give birth but he was making it to one individual. And that was Mary, the mother of Jesus. So no females today can claim that. It's a promise, 
But you can't claim that because it's already been fulfilled. And number two, it wasn't given to you. So you got a precept, you've got a promise, and you've got a principle. A principle. Mary knows them. She's heard me teach all these years. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, what's a principle? A principle is a, it, I'm going to put it this way. It's almost like a generalization of a precept and a promise. For instance, let's, let me show you a precept in Scripture. Turn with me to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Look at... Page, I have to look back on page 1740. Yeah, it's an Okay. 2 Chronicles 714 is telling the nation of Israel, promising them. No, you don't have my Bible. That's why she's asking. She's got the same edition of the Bible I do. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so anyway, point I'm making is. Well, I used to have the same Bible you did. You did, I changed it. <laughs> I get one marked up and I put it on the shelf and I started another one marking up. So 1 Peter 5 says this. Therefore be humble yourselves. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5 verses 6 and 7. Do you see that? Okay, got it. Okay. 2 Corinthians 7.14, humble yourselves. He says, if my people are called by my name, shall do what? Humble, and here we've got the same word, humble. Now keep your finger there. Go back to the pork. You know what I'm talking about when I say pork? Go to pork. Philippians. Everybody else saying, well, I don't believe I've seen any bacon here. I know I can get more pork. Okay, so I want you to notice uh, what he says in verse 5 of chapter 2. Verse 5 of chapter 2. He says this. Uh, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Notice what he said. Attitude. He says, have this attitude. Um, Literally, it means think this way. Mm -hmm. This is a thinking. This Have this attitude uh, in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, let's just stop for a moment. There's a lot of things that Christ did that we can't do. He walked on water. Good luck walking across the swimming pool. Okay? He fed 5,000 with just a word. Good luck trying to do that. But there's some things that we can do that Christ did. Christ perfectly forgave all of his enemies. It might be tough for us. Someone at the door? That's Lita. Oh, Lita? Lita's looking like... Okay, so 
Um, I'm almost done, but leave. Uh, those of you that are listening to the podcast, we have someone joining our group a bit late, but she is sight impaired, so we're not going to say anything, but welcome Lita. So, yes. Lita is wondering if we're going, if she should stay in our row. If she, if she, ladies, y'all make it, I can't do that. Well, I mean, we're almost done, so they're here. We're we're almost done with our yeah. study, Leah. So, how long are you planning to stay? Uh, maybe 10 minutes. Um, I should ask who she'll take me. Okay. Don't you be sorry, Leah. We're thankful that you came. And you look like you've gotten a haircut. Oh, I did. I tried to come. Well, your haircut looks beautiful. Did, did she leave already? Did the girl okay. so, It looks very good. But we'll meet again next week. And we'll look forward to seeing you then. God willing. Okay, God willing. You know, they didn't put me up till 1020, and there was nothing I could do about it. I know. I'm so sorry. You're so dependent upon me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, though, for coming, Linda. Oh, you And we'll pray. And we, we pray you for you. Don't that. take me back. Yeah. What a delightful lady. Okay. So notice verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves. Notice that attitude. There's a lot of things that Christ did that we can do, but we can do what? Have a different, have an attitude. Have an, an attitude that Christ had. Amen. We can have an attitude Christ had. That's what I'm saying, uh, Roxanne, that we can have an attitude. A lot of things that Christ did, we can't do. Forget it. Don't walk on water. Don't feed 5,000. Don't, you know, don't, you, you know, don't commit suicide and raise the third day. You'll stink. It won't work. But we can have an attitude that Christ had. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, he was God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, held on to. Can you imagine all the times he could have said, hey, you're an idiot. Let me show you what I can do right now. Never did. Never did. Six. Never did. But he emptied himself. Now, when he says he emptied himself, there's a theological discussion that I won't get into. But they say, well, he emptied himself of his deity. No, he didn't. He was always 100% God, 100% man. Now, I'm not going to explain what uh, theologians call the hypostatic union. H-Y-P-O-S-T-A-T-I-C union. You can look it up, but I won't go into that. It's way deep in the woods. Who, although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, the Greek word there is doulos, he says, and being found in the likeness of men, not the likeness of God, and why wasn't he in the likeness of God? John says that God is what? This is kind of like Wordle. The word begins with an S. Spirit. John 4 says God is spirit. 
What does 1 Timothy 6 says? No man has seen God at any time. I mean, excuse me, that God dwells in unapproachable light. What does John 1 say? No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So he is in the appearance of man explaining the unseen God. That's what the incarnation is. All right? Yeah, read on. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. There's our word. We see it in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 14. We also saw it again in 1 Peter 5. And now we see that it's the attitude of Christ in Philippians, the second chapter. Therefore, we can extrapolate a principle. God loves and rewards humility. Amen. Where does he say he rewards it? I'll show you. Read on in Philippians. He says he humbled himself by becoming obedient. Now, if you're obedient, you're obedient. This is back in Philippians 2, verse 8. Okay. Obedience to what? What are we always obedient to as Christians? To as far as we like it. <laughs> but what do we obey? The law. No. That's, we were never under the law. Yeah, but I'm talking about the government laws. Oh, that, yeah. Okay, but why do we obey uh, uh, up to a point? There's some laws that we should, we should not obey. That's true. But why do we obey laws up to a point, governmental laws up to a point? Why do we do that? Because we're obeying another law. Romans 13 says we should be obedient to governmental authorities. Mm -hmm. So we as Christians, our first obedience is to... You, you're pointing? The Lord. I thought you were sitting in the ceiling. And where do we know? How do we know what God wants us to do? So he's talking about Jesus was obedient to the Father's word. What did he say at Gethsemane? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's what we as Christians should say every day. That's what he's saying here. That he says, he, he says here, uh, he says, for this reason, I, he said, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. It's not like he had. You know, I mean, everybody. If you talk about, how would you like to die? Quickly. In sleep. In my sleep, quickly. Everybody wants to die that way. Why? Why do you want to die that way? No pain. Yeah. No Easy. pain. You're not, you're not looking, you know, you're not, oh, I'm going to die. Like, look, you're going to be electrocuted or something. Right. I'm getting a lethal injection. There's no uh, death anticipation. Oh, that's true. Because it's in your sleep and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. You, you go to sleep in your bed and wake up in heaven. Amen. I mean, who wouldn't want to die that way? Or you're sending your pastor an email. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the next one that you're talking to your pastor, and the next thing you know, you're wait a minute. You're not my pastor. That's Mel. You're talking to Jesus. Yeah. That's Mel. That's Mary's Mel. Yeah. He was on the computer. Yeah. Doing an email to me. 
And yeah, first they do an email, and Mary came in. He was slept over. He thought he was going to be with Jesus. Did I get that right, Mary? Yes. But he sent Dick's email early in the morning. Yeah. 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 Now read on. Read on. And he says, he says that, um, you know, even death on the cross. Why does he say that? Because there wasn't a more excruciating death on the cross. There still is. There's nothing as, as horrible as death on the cross. Now notice he said, he, he, how far did his obedience go? Was it superficial? All the way. All the way. Even death on a cross. Therefore, for this reason, verse 9, God also highly did what? Exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a great day that's going to be. Now, turn back to 1 Peter 5. And I've almost gotten through the book. We started late. Yeah, we started late. So I'll, I'll go on a little bit more. Therefore, notice there's our word. Therefore, humble. You saw it in 2 Corinthians 7 14. You saw it in Philippians, the second chapter. You see it in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may. Well, when did we see that word exalt in Philippians 2? Mm -hmm. So there's a principle here. Humiliation results in exaltation. Humiliation. And most people think exaltation results in more exaltation. Bragging about yourself, how good you are, and all that. No. Self-exaltation will lead to humiliation because God is opposed as it says here to what? The proud. The proud. The proud. And proud people exalt themselves but gives grace to mm -hmm. the Isn't humble. that a problem? Is that a problem? Uh, I just want to know. Actually it is and if you've got a New American Standard look at verse 5 and you're there. And you see right next to verse oh, 5, there's a D. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 334. So then what you would do is Proverbs you look over. Proverbs 334. Proverbs 3 tells you exactly where it is. Okay? Now, point being is this. God wants you to be ignorant of this will. Satan wants you to be ignorant of God's will. Well, just want to see if you're still listening. <laughs> And I want you to look at page 14. See, we're making progress now. We've moved off 13. God wants us to know his will. God wants us to understand his will. He wants us to understand, he wants us to understand his will to fill us and control us. And the result of all this is the believer doing the will of God from the heart. John says uh, that, uh, that, Peter, uh, that Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Now, let's look at your defense. So how does Satan make, make you, remember Satan targets your mind. He uses the word that lies, the words of perhaps other Christians. I'm not, 
I'm not dogmatic on that yet. But in order to do what? Make you ignorant of God's word. So the fourth thing is your defense, God's word. Remember Jesus when he was being tempted? Every response from Jesus was the word of God. So when someone speaks a lie to you, you've got to know enough of the word. Listen, I, how, many, how many, I've been like, come on. I mean, I can't do it. Yeah, you, but I'm just saying, you, you, I've been doing it for over 50 years. Yeah, 100 years. <laughs> I've been doing it, you know. It's so funny when you get to my age, you say, well, he's an old guy, and you realize that he's younger than you. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, I've been doing it for 50 years, so yeah, I've got more stuff than you guys know. You're, if you keep learning, you're going to learn every day that you spend in the Word, you're going to learn more and more. And pretty soon, you're going to know somebody that hadn't spent but maybe a year in the Word. So it's all relative. It's all relative. And that's why he says, Jesus did in page 17. He makes several statements on through the end of the chapter. We must know God's Word. I love this last portion of that paragraph, uh, that section, just as a machinist studies the shop made up. You can tell this book was written years ago. And most people would not know what a machinist is. It was written in 19, uh, the first cop, uh, yeah, 1979. So 20, almost 50 years ago, 45 years ago, okay? And it's still so relevant. Yeah, so very Because he's teaching the word of God. It's even more relevant. More relevant today. And you're right. Right now. But most people read, what's a machinist? <laughs> Just as machinist studies the shop manual and the surgeon studies the medical text, so the Christian must study the word of God. Bible study is not a luxury, it's a necessity. We must memorize God's word. Obviously, Jesus had memorized large portions because he was quoting Deuteronomy and he wasn't walking around with the Torah, a scroll, reading it from him. It was up here in his mind. He talks about how David treasured God's word in his heart that I may not do what? Sin. Satan will try to get you to sin. If you know the word, you can say, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do that. And that's when you got to depend upon the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that later on. Uh, thirdly, we must meditate on God's word. And he quotes Joshua in this book of all shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. As you meditate, you're going to come up with more application. You may take one passage of scripture. And you know what the, uh, the interpretation is. But until you chew on it for a while, you're not going to understand all the applications. Remember, there's one interpretation, many applications. But you got to get the application first. And you do that through observation. Then you, Bible study goes observation, interpretation, application. Observation, you want to write this down? Mm -hmm. Observation. You just start making 
For God so loved. Oh, for. There must be a God. For God so loved. Oh, love is not impersonal. This God loves. The world. Oh, wow, he's got a lot of love to love the world. Those are all observations. Then you make an interpretation based upon all those observations. The interpretation is that God loves me. Christ died for me. If I believe him, I get eternal life. I'll never perish. Well, and then you can start coming up with a ton of application. What would be one application? Don't guess I need to repent. Mm -hmm. Repentance is not mentioned. Mm -hmm. Well, and just living with confidence. Confidence, yeah. Confidence. Mm -hmm. And so you may take a verse, observation, interpretation, application. Or as I like to call it, oya. Oya. Not boya. That's something else. But oya. Oi, O-I-A. Oi, oi. Yeah. Are you British? I am British. Oi, oi. Observation, interpretation, application. And that's meditating on the word. And then we must use God's word. Now, I believe Warren, bless his heart, he's in heaven, and he knows he was wrong in his interpretation now. Who did you say? Warren. 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 Okay. On page 20. Yeah, he missed this interpretation. Starting in verse 19, we must use God's word. The believer's mind should become like a spiritual computer. I agree with that. It should be so saturated with scripture that when he faces a decision or a temptation, he automatically remembers the scripture that relate to that particular situation. It is the ministry of the Holy Spirit to bring God's word to our minds when we need it. Now, you hear that all the time. And generally, you hear this verse as used to do that. This verse does not teach that. Warren did not do his observation. He went straight to application. It's from John 14, 26. Who? What is the context of John 14, 26? Pat is doing, <laughs> Debbie's doing what you must do to answer this unless you've studied. 1526. Yes, what is... Let's these just, things okay. I have spoken to you okay, okay. by abiding. Okay, let's... These things. Oh, no, but what, the helper. What, what are the, where are these things? What are these things? And who's the you here? Uh, he's talking to the apostles. He's talking to the apostles. Where is he doing this? Do you know? Tape don't did be not. In trouble, but don't be troubled. Believe in me, and I've got his ultimate mansions. Is okay, I'm going to tell you the upper room. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah that's what I did. Yeah. Upper room discourse. Always guess if you think you might be right. The upper room discourse. There are how many disciples present? Eleven. Judas is gone. So when Jesus said. When he makes this statement here in John 14, 26, but when the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, in my name, he says will send, what, what observation might you make on that? In the future. It's future. Right. Yeah. 
He will teach you, context is important here, the disciples, the apostles, all things, everything they need to know, mm -hmm. Holy Spirit is going to do that. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So he's going to teach you new things and remind you of the old things. And then what did the apostles do with all that? They wrote them down and you got them in the book called the Bible. But this isn't some Lord, just ooey gooey my brain. Give me, you know, give me that. Now, can God not do that? I'm not saying they can't do that. But he wants you to know the word so well that it just comes to your memory. Mm -hmm. It comes to your memory. Yeah. And this is just a natural function of your brain. For instance, think of the things that you have learned that are not anything to do with spiritual. That let's say you start slicing the ball or you start skying the ball. Well, that means probably that you're not transferring your weight from the right foot to the left foot. This is going down with me yesterday. <laughs> In other words, you are falling back on the ball and you're putting a slice spin on the ball so it goes out to the right, or you're falling back and you're hitting it straight up a moon ball. So, if you have done it and know how to self-correct, you say, wait a minute, I've got to get that weight and i got to bring it over. We do that with things that aren't spiritual all the time. You'll do something and you say, wait a minute. For instance, I'll give you a great example. I had to go take my car in for service today. So I went down Dry Creek. I cut down this one street that goes just south of the hospital, took a ride on Broadway and goes right up to the actual deal. Well, as I'm coming down that way, I realized that the traffic coming this way was non-existent because they blocked it off. Mm -hmm. So, when I drive back from that hospital, will God remind me? No, it's just yeah. it's in my mind. Oh, don't even though I could go that way to the Acura dealer still, I can't come back that way. It's in my brain. It's in the computer. That knowledge is there. So what God wants us to do is get that knowledge in the brain. And that's not a promise that God will ooey-gooey us. But he says, we use, our brain. He's, use your mind. Put the brain in there. He says, listen. Because if he does that, he said, God is rewarding laziness. Oh, God, I can't memorize this. I can't meditate on this. You're just going to have to remind me of it. It's easier to blame him than for us. You see, God, God will not be your wife. What are wives good at? Honey, did you remember to? Did you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? Yes, dear, I remember that. Well, I'm just reminding you just in case. Thank you, dear. I appreciate the reminder. Now, I'm not saying it's not a good reminder at times, but God wants us to memorize, and husbands might want to write things down their wives say. And let us close with that righteous declaration. <laughs> 